and welcome to Compass, a podcast made by teachers for teachers. I'm the current host, Joe, and each week we meet educators who have unique experiences in the world of teaching. As many of you will have realized, this is the first podcast in quite a while. Great intentions soon have asked me to the meltdown when I had to trap distractions in the home, such as my bed, a sofa, and a TV, and soon my productivity disappeared. Like many of you though, I hope you've really relished this opportunity to relax and have a safe and healthy time. Today I'll be talking to another inspirational individual, and as you may be able to tell by the quality of the call, this is through the wonders of a phone call. The hope is that you will gain some insight for your own daily practice, while also getting a flavour of the unique experiences that teachers have across Scotland, and in this case, England. Today's guest is an individual that I've known from afar for a number of years. We've had many crossovers in our time, including both attending the same university, both being active members of our student volunteering organisation, SBA, and as you expect from these commonalities, having a lot of friends in common. Uh, we both, yes, I said it again, also are from the North East of Scotland, and we both became teachers. She is someone who radiates a sense of kindness and warmth, and I can only imagine her teaching practice is reminiscent of that of Miss Honey from Matilda. The unique experience we're discussing today is one that many of you may be considering, or in fact be the process of doing yourself, and that's the move of transition from one education system to another, moving in this example from Scotland to England. A process that you can obviously understand can be incredibly daunting. So today's guest is going to tell us a little bit about their own experience, uh, including both private and state experience, alongside her top tips and experiences for moving down south. Today's guest is Rebecca. So welcome, Rebecca. Hi. Oh, yes, that was such a nice introduction. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange because I, I have not had the pleasure of seeing you teach, but I, I think when you meet a teacher, you definitely get a sense of what they might be like in a classroom, and I definitely get that sense from you. It must be a lovely classroom. I'm glad you used the reference of Miss Honey and not Miss Principal. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I suppose the first question that I always ask anyone is, so why are you a teacher? Why did you join this profession? Why are you a teacher? Yeah, so, so I did an undergraduate in law and I think I always knew that I didn't really want to be a lawyer um, and I had some work experience in different law firms and just never really saw myself in that profession. I then um, did a summer volunteering with uh, student volunteers which is our, our kind of shared um, yeah. experience and I just had the best time. I loved it and I think I came, my project was in South Africa teaching and um, and I definitely came away from it thinking that that might be something I would want to do. But I think I also worried that maybe I just enjoyed being with a really lovely group of people for eight weeks. Or maybe I just enjoyed being on the other side of the world for eight weeks. But I thought it was something definitely worth exploring. So I found out you could do a PGCE. Um, I've always been, I went to music school, I've always been involved in different artistic realms and... I was doing brownies at the time as well. So I knew I liked working with children. And I thought about doing Teach First. Um, oh, yeah. But I don't think law was a subject that they, they wanted, which is fair enough. Um, so I just thought, you know what, I'll just apply and I'll see how I got on. So I applied um, for the PBCE and I was lucky enough to get an interview and lucky enough that they gave me a chance. And so I graduated and I started at Glasgow the following August. So I stayed in the same university 
um, to do the course, which was really nice because it, it was a crazy year. And I think it's big. Yeah, and I think having, you know, knowing what all ideas, knowing how to get a book out, knowing how the grade system works, knowing your way around, all those things just, I think it made it feel a bit easier for me. I just mm-hmm. watched other students find things a bit more difficult. So, yeah, and then and then I've never really looked back, I think. Um, I, I love that, I think SBA is a funny little thing, and it's one of those things that everyone I know this, and I see in some way it's had uh, an impact on their life, be it that they had a really good experience, or for many people, it has to find their careers. I know people that have gone since then, obviously, like people like Susie or Jen, who work in social development and in, in international development and research. And then, obviously, like myself and you, like having that experience of teaching, and potentially not something that we would have necessarily considered, and then having that opportunity. It, it's, I, I do think it's really interesting that student organisations can be quite defining, actually. Absolutely. I think it's it just further for me just further um emphasizes the the whole student experience mm-hmm. it's not just about going working hard in your degree getting a good grade it's about when you go to university making the most of the opportunities that are there for you because you really don't ever know what is going to have a profound impact and a profound effect on you and SBA was definitely one of those things for me oh definitely um, and, and it, it, it is, I think you're so right, it's, it's seeing the, the value in those experiences. And I imagine that's something that kind of feeds into your practice as well. And then that idea of how do we make this as, as important and a universal experience for all our young people that we work with. This is, you know, different experiences that have different impacts on the different children that we work with. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, um, for me, was a big takeaway from um, being in South Africa. We were working in a very rural remote school where um, they spoke the local language of Bendo, which is amazing and they had great teachers but they didn't they didn't have um teachers who who knew an awful lot about teaching English and this is mm-hmm. a skill that they wanted to give to the children. So even just being there for six weeks, being able to help out, being able to give the teacher books and resources and mm-hmm. give them ideas um was really valuable. I know that some people have different uh, yeah, and opinions about the efficacy of, of oh, projects like that. But how, how sustainable it is. Yeah, but, but for me, because it was something that went on year to year, was sustainable because I went on that project and then the year after ended up um, being a, like the project lead and yeah. ensuring that what we had done the previous year was carried forward and it was the same as my project lead and Jen, she had been out the year before mm-hmm. as a volunteer. So, yeah, I think it was it was um, a really great organisation and definitely, definitely um, made me into the person I am, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think what really stayed, I had that actually like we both had this connection. I ended up actually there in South Africa for a different project. It was a, um, a project that we were doing um, near uh, Johannesburg, but one weekend we went up. And we were getting the tour and everything, and it was, it was when they were wandering around. I saw SBA, and I was like, but SBA have been here. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we work with SBA. And I was like, so what? It's like, it, it doesn't matter where you go in the world, there's a connection to these organisations. And although there might be a big question mark around the sustainability of projects, like long term and their impact, actually that, that connection from communities, um, you know, from Scotland to South Africa, it's, it's, a, it's a lasting connection. And actually that's, 
something that I am sure has kind of fed into your teaching practice as well, like that knowledge of the alternatives in the world and what's going on, that global citizenship, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, it's, a, it's a strange little world. Um, so yeah, you, bec- you became a teacher, and where did you end up through your probation year, your kind of starting? Yeah, so I've been in Glasgow um, at, uh, for five years at that point, and I love the city, but I was very aware of the fact that the probation year is going to be quite hard going, so I think mm-hmm. I decided I wanted to go home so that I could have someone else make my dinner for me and yeah. that after me. So I moved back in with my um my parents and I got a job in Inch. It's so in Aberdeen there. So Inch is a small village but it's quite actually quite busy because it's it's um, on the train line to Aberdeen. So a lot of mm-hmm. people do actually live there and commute into work. Um so I went there and I had a primary one two composite as my first class. So it was a real baptism of fire. It was <laughs> <laughs> yes, it really is. Uh very tricky composite. In my opinion, the hardest and Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Because P one is so much of it just like getting them to understand basic routines where and the PCs are going, I know this already, guys. Um Exactly. So it had a lot of challenges, but I had some lovely colleagues and had a supportive mentor, and I, I, I just kind of got stuck in. I think I, I always knew the first year was going to be really hard, and I had made this decision to live at home, so I just, I really just dedicated myself to learning how to be a good teacher and. Mm-hmm. But it was quite far from my parents' house. It was maybe 45 minutes away, and it's all kind of back roads, very snowy. So. I was going to say, it's <laughs> very small, windy, and if the weather's not good, a little bit of a... Um, yeah, I had some tricky winters. So I thought I'd rather have somewhere where it was closer to where my parents were, and I didn't have to try and get through snow drifts in a PG 105. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no one would judge you for that decision. So I I then ended up getting a permanent post in Banff at school. So very yeah. different seaside, um, still a big school though. So yeah, Inch and Banff were both big primary schools. But I had a primary one, straight primary one there, and I had two um those partners who were just brilliant and were so supportive of me, and we worked really really well as a team. So. For me, looking back, like that, those two years I was in Banff, I was in primary one both years, were probably um, the two years where I, I felt I had a really good work-life balance. Yeah. We, we worked really well as a team and we divided the planning and we met every week as a stage to kind of discuss any children that we were a bit concerned about. So you always mm-hmm. felt that you were really on top of things and you felt everyone really knew what was going on. We did have an inspection during that time, so that was quite an interesting really experience, an experience yeah. to go through. I had only been teaching it for a year and a half at that point, um, and it didn't go that well to the school, so we ended up having quite a number of changes in leadership, which was interesting to witness because you saw all these different styles and yeah, 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 different ideas and things. Um, but yes, I was there for two years and then moved down to Glasgow to be with my partner who's a doctor. 
and he was working down there. And at that point, I was applying for jobs. So in Glasgow, I think it's the same in Edinburgh. They apply, you apply the council, council. Yeah, you apply to the council. Yeah. So I had done the pool application, and then um, I think I was just quite frustrated because I'd been told I was going to get a permanent post somewhere, but I had no idea where it was. Mm-hmm. And I think this must have been into June. He still didn't know. And we were looking at um, where to rent somewhere. So we knew yeah. we wanted to be closest to, you know, the, the major hospitals, like some of the TV and basketball. But we didn't know when we were going to start the river in West River. And having lived in Glasgow for five years, I knew that sometimes oh, yeah. traffic could be quite bad. So oh, horrendous, yeah. I kind of wanted to know what's going to be on. <laughs> yeah, which is and, yeah. Yeah, and then I saw, I think I was on my job Scotland and saw that there was a post at Hudson Grammar School, which is side side. And I just applied for it. And I don't really know what drew me to it because... I knew I had this permanent post, but I think I just liked the thought of knowing where it's going to be. Which I think, so, I think in terms of, like, you talk about that in terms of our learning, having that autonomy, having a clear understanding of the direction, and, and it's exactly the same for teachers, and I know that for a lot of people right now, you know, it's one of those years where lots of people are not in the jobs that they expected to be in, um, mm-hmm. and so actually considering the private sector is not a bad shout at all. Um, in terms of being really clear about where you're going to work. Um, so I, I, for anyone who's listening, what's your application process and your process similar to what you'd expect for, you know, a state school? So it's totally different. Um, my applications for state schools have always been, I think it's about four questions and they're mm-hmm. quite big questions. So yes. I went, yes. Yeah, I went to my grad one year, I went to school, random school, and I was a panel of three people who are all head teachers and these big four questions. So the help change was very different. So I had to prepare a lesson mm-hmm. that I was going to teach. So they give they give gave you a brief of I can't remember, I think it was maybe year four current affairs. So mm-hmm. um I decided to do a oh, current affairs and literacy and I decided mm. to do um the world wedding because or the or the baby, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> Something that was happening. <laughs> And it was happening. facts and opinions. We were looking at different newspaper articles and deciding the text. Oh, and it's all very play-based and things. and not like active. So mm. I was quite happy with that. But I had no... And obviously when you're early in your profession, you are observed a lot. So I was quite comfortable being watched. But I had never been watched for an interview. So that felt different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just a much longer day. So I think I was... Good mature by the children, which was lovely. Um, yeah, really sweet. But the these children fed back to the interviewers like what they thought of me. I I didn't know at the time that that was going to happen. Yeah, and um, and then I think that's the thing is just looking back. The whole day was an interview, whereas I really only thought there were certain parts of it. So that was. I had to join the staff for a great time, which again was a that's lovely part, staff, Yeah, of course. But that's yeah. part of it. Um, you did your lesson. You had an interview with, or I think I think it was an interview slash feedback session with the head of stage, yeah. and then um, to talk about your lesson and explain how that would have fit into the sequence of something. Um, 
and then you had I had an interview with the rector of the whole school, so senior and junior, and then the head of primary. And there was there was obviously a structure to the questions, but they were so much more school specific than the types of questions I've been asked before about yeah. working in state education. Where I think because they had seen me teach, um, and because they had read your application to school and your CV and all this kind of thing, they they know when you get there that you can teach. They know you can do yeah. a job, and they see you do it. They're they're more trying to find out whether you fit the school. Which and, actually, and actually, it makes more sense the fact that we're we're trying to work out if we can teach through interview questions. That's really not the best way to understand if someone can teach. And so, in yeah. any respect, that makes more sense. You know, seeing you teach, you'll get a sense of my persona in a classroom. You get a sense of you know, my it was your management. You'll get a sense of you know my you know, quality and context around that and, and fairness. You know, you get all of that in a lesson, and actually. This is one of the bits that I think that cool if you don't do particularly well is how do you then match individuals to the right setting for them to work in. So actually that seems almost like it, it makes more sense in fact. Absolutely. And and when they offered me the job I felt that I had I had, was wanted. I felt that yeah. I had been chosen to work there. So when I went for my first day of work I didn't feel nervous because I knew and they wanted whatever I, I was um, offering. So I think, and, and I, I do actually also think that you're right. I think it just allows them to kind of get a time with you and really figure out if you match the school. Because I, I, I think that's actually really important how well your pedagogy, your ideologies, your style fits the school and the class the teacher you know, the children that you have and also the staff that you fit into the community. So I loved my time there and I think I was more surprised by that than I had anticipated. I think mm. I'm someone who maybe because of my experiences of um volunteering and things like in uh rural South Africa but I I feel that I have a lot of my values that align with education, social justice, social mobility, yeah, of course, yeah. um, kind of equality that I never really thought would have matched working in, in the private sector. Mm-hmm. But um, I think you said in a chat earlier that yeah, women yeah. are children and you're so yeah. right. And it's not to say that there weren't children there who didn't come from um, surprise that sense that they were maybe there on a scholarship or um, children who were dealing with difficult childhood yeah, and, and, and I think and I think you can't underestimate the fact that you know there's definitely we, we know in fact this is you know it, we don't want it to be a case but it is the case many of the people who end up being in positions of power to make changes in our country have come from the private sector in terms of schooling so why not influence that in a positive way, encouraging that you know, social justice? Because actually that will, in the long term, have a huge impact on the way that our society runs. Um, yeah. And so I think for any teachers who are thinking, oh, I don't know if I really fit in the private sector, you know, I think you can still hold those values and actually you can just share them in a different way potentially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think you make schools better by making good schools 
for taking away good skills. You know, yeah, these, no, definitely not. No, these skills are are primed like results factories is what some people refer to them as, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good practice that goes on there as well. Which I think you're right. I think there's it's not a us and them, and it's not about um. For me, it wasn't about leaving my values at the door and saying, okay, well, you know, this is a different environment now. I think you can still take those values with you. And I and I feel that my colleagues that I worked with also held those values close to their hearts. And yeah. um, it's just a different environment to be in. And I think it, it, it also made me look at, because I'm now working back in... Um, the state sector and it's made me look at that and the problems that I see in in the workload and in the systems that we have in place and and really think I think there's a different way and I've seen a different way yeah um, exactly because, because there was just a lot of more flexibility um at Hutchinson's because they didn't have to have they didn't have to follow the same strict procedures or strict curriculum. Yeah, so it was, let's do what's right for our children in front of us to get the best results for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry? And actually, what's quite interesting is that you then have all that new kind of information and knowledge to then apply in a new setting. So when looking at, you know, obviously moving down south, I assume that your process of recruitment was actually more similar to that of the private sector than it would have been to the state sector. Yes, absolutely. So I then <clears throat> applied to jobs and districts. We were moving for my partner's job again. And then the application process, you're right, was very similar to that at Hutchinson. So the school system in England is quite different. There is a Bristol local authority um, school, but there's also free schools, there's independent schools, there's academy schools. So there's no pool. You don't apply for a pool. No, You're applying no. for a specific school, which I think I definitely prefer because I think, mm-hmm. okay, you can't really know a school until you're there, but at least you can, you know where it is, you can yeah. read the website, you can get a bit of a sense of what it would be. Yeah, so what are your priorities in school? What is your management team structure? How do you treat staff through what you can kind of infer from a website? Exactly. So I um, applied to a number of schools in Bristol, and I was aware that maybe by this point I'd been teaching for four years, so I was aware that maybe I had experience of teaching, but I didn't have experience of teaching the English curriculum, and that mm-hmm. might go against me in some way. And I did have a lot more rejections um, from applications than I've ever had. And I think that's partly because I had my main experience of teaching had been in Aberdeenshire, which at the time there was a real demand for a teacher, a real demand for teachers. So I had always found it relatively easy to get an interview. So that was a bit of an ego knock. So it sounds funny that I think you just, for me, I always thought, oh, the more years you've been teaching, the better you will be, the better everyone will think you'll be, the yeah, yeah. it will be to get a job. And it just wasn't really pretty no. okay. And actually, from, you know, from my own experiences and from experiences of other practitioners as well, it tends to be actually that the longer you've been teaching, the more challenging it becomes to get teaching posts, as often 
schools want someone who's fresh out and they can kind of mould and manage in a way that they kind of have expectations for. Um, so it is quite interesting, and I, I would love to see the kind of the data on that, like how recruitment works in terms of like number of years. But yeah, interesting yeah. that you've been teaching for longer, but actually it's been more challenging to to get across. So I then um, had an interview at the school that I'm in, the Spires in Dale. So it's part of an academy, and um, mm-hmm. so we don't have academies in Scotland, but there's a lot of academies down in England. So it's part of quite a big academy chain, but it's a very small school, so. It's single form, so it's only one uh, class, one of each year. So you've got one year class, mm-hmm. one class, one issue, etc. So I quite like the thought that it was a city school, but it was quite small. Mm-hmm. And they were very similar to Hachi, but actually even more intense. So, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, I flew down to Bristol, and the day of the interview, I taught a lesson. Um, and I then had a tour with the children, which I knew this time was going to be part of the interview. So I was, I was, uh, you know, very bright and charming. <laughs> then I had, uh, I had to do assessments. So they gave me a kind of portfolio of writing, and I had to assess it. Um, oh, that's a really good idea. Yeah, I really hadn't expected that at all. So that was, and that was quite really, I think we had about an hour to go through, through oh, the writing yeah. and assess it. So it was quite a big uh, process. And then I had, so then what they quite often do in England is this might take you up to lunchtime. And then if they decide they want to interview you, they'll keep you. But then they'll send some people home. Again, oh. I didn't know this was going to happen. So... We had a space where they had all the candidates, and then they came in and said, you know, so-and-so, 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 we'd like to invite you to see everybody else. Thank you for your time, and, you know. Oh, God. It's like, that's like something that is like a, a, you know, a terrible, like, Saturday night kind of, you want to be a pop star? So, like, no, I'm sorry, you have to leave now. Oh, exactly. It's not, it's not a nice practice, but it is one that is, um, it's kind of employed by a lot of schools, so yeah, that is quite shocking. And um, and obviously you got you got asked to stay, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I got this job there. Yeah. So that was a big relief because I think I'd been a bit worried about um, asking a job up until that point, mm-hmm. and then became the big the big news. So yeah. we moved down and um, I had an induction day at the school to find out a bit more about their um, curriculum and how it all works. And I tried to read about uh, the English curriculum over the holidays and I had a year three class. So I had never taught year three. I think it's the equivalent of um, primary four. Yeah, T4, yeah. In Scotland. So I was really excited to do... Um, a kind of middle uh, stage primary because I had been primary one for three years and actually I taught primary six so it was nice um, to have something in the school and I loved the class I had the last year was my first year but it was quite different from being in Scotland Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I don't know the main 
distances would be. Yeah, it was. Because I, I was trying to think about this myself. Because I did a, a short stint in London. Um, oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, they, I, I did a bit of teaching for some supply, and then I also ended up working for the Red Cross at the same time. Um, and I was trying to think of what the differences were, and the only difference I could really think of was I I was in upper school, so it was very there was a very clear definition of your level was this, and all the children were super aware of that level and that was everywhere it was branded everywhere and there was a real push for them to improve that level and that was a real kind of distinctive thing but actually the teaching very similar the you know the work they were doing actually very similar and um, it was just that kind of test concept that is kind of coming into Scotland now a lot more but was really quite um very strong actually and that was the only difference I could really think about um I definitely think as well that potentially the unions in England are not as strong. But I do mm. think that sometimes potentially uh, in Scotland, I think we are very fortunate that we are protected in lots of ways, yeah. although the workload is mad, but we are protected in lots of ways. And I'm not sure if you get the same level of protection down the south. There's definitely a business to it. Yes, yeah. So I'm an NEU rep, which is National Education Union rep. Mm. Um, in my for my school and I I was um a rep in Scotland as well. But I think you're right, the the union feeling in England there's m- more than one. Whereas in mm-hmm. Scotland um there's only been one teaching union. Yeah, the one the one that really has you know that pretty much everyone has a as a member of yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so. And that's strong the voice for teachers whereas I feel like down here, um, as, yeah, as you said, I don't know that you're as protected. And I think, especially because of the different systems of schooling, so you could be part mm-hmm. of an academy, you could be part of a free school, and they all come with their different challenges and their different types of leadership. I mean, mm-hmm. the head of my academy is called a CEO. <laughs> you know, it's a very yeah, different the whole thing and I, I do I mean usually I don't have um national testing so they have uh, in year two yeah, and year six yeah. and that's a huge deal for schools mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it's a, as big a deal for children in terms of I don't think anyone's ever going to worry too much about this you know you're not going to be asked at an interview for a job yeah <laughs> but the children do feel like it's a big deal um, and I, and I think the schools make it that way because obviously they want them to do their best. Yeah, of course. But for for the schools, it's a huge deal because it impacts on their 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 rating, on yeah. when Ofsted comes, they're very interested in their fact results. Um, so being year two, I haven't been as involved in that as other teachers were. But having said that, we do at my school. This isn't across England, but I know a lot of schools do similar things where we have assessment weeks every term mm-hmm. and our terms are much shorter than Scottish's terms so our terms yeah. could be six weeks five weeks sometimes um, so if we ha- you know we have an assessment week each term that's six weeks of learning but it's essentially lost because you're just assessing you're not learning mm-hmm. anything in that time and then actually can we trust teachers doesn't to be done naturally throughout learning rather than setting aside the whole Absolutely. So for me, that was a big shock because it's a lot of, a lot of testing to put seven, eight-year-olds through. Yeah. Um, 
although they're very used to it. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. a huge amount of marking and an inputting of data for a teacher. I mean, that week every term is crazy for me and everyone else um, in terms of the number of hours it takes up. And I have to say, I never really glean anything new. Mm, I, definitely I don't think. ever feel that I'm having a massive revelation, apart from if someone flunks the test or for some yeah. reason someone does really well and you think, but you yeah. have no idea what a subordinating conjunction uh, <laughs> yeah. is. You just definitely happen understand. to pick the right definition, you know, so... I suppose you're touching on, you touched upon this actually when we were talking about your probation years and really, and you've been very sensible about the fact that teaching is something that has a huge impact on your well-being and you have to be quite, I suppose, careful about the way in which we plan around our jobs because it can take over our life. But I suppose the question that's in my mind, I'm sure for a lot of people as well, is in terms of work-life balance and that health and well-being aspect, how does the English system and your experiences compare to that of in Scotland? So... I, that's a great question. I think um, this has been my first year in England, so obviously lockdown, COVID, oh, <laughs> a slightly different spin on it. But if I'm kind of forgetting about that period of time and just comparing um, what pre-Christmas was to being in Scotland, um, I think I think I personally find the workload an expectation down here harder to manage than I did in Scotland. I don't know that that would be the same for everyone, but mm-hmm. I felt in Scotland I was, once I passed my probation year, I was trusted that I knew how to do my job. Yeah. Um, and I did do the primary one testing when it came out to begin with, but, um, you know, most of my assessments were teachers' judgment. Yeah. And, Working in bigger schools, I always had other teachers to share planning with. Yeah. So I wonder whether that's something which, if I was working in a single fund school in Scotland, I would also feel like I've got a heavier workload. Yeah, potentially. Yeah, potentially. I think that's maybe something which is just a distinction between a small school and a big school. But I certainly find down here that I have... um a lot more planning to do. So I've got a few friends who mm-hmm. work in bigger schools in Bristol and, and they maybe have a subject for to plan a week. Whereas mm-hmm. I'll have everything to do. Yeah, that's a lot of work, yeah. So I think um I think yeah. that So I suppose with one of your kind of going on to the next kind of concept in my head, the top tips for potentially people who are considering this move is one of them being think about potentially going to a school that's larger with uh, a bigger team because that way there's kind of more potential for you to have that work-life balance. I think that would be a a tip of mine. I I don't think that I really considered when I was applying to school the difference that that would make to your workload. But now being in a single-form school, I think there's definitely... um, a lot more to do through the one teacher of that form. But having said that, I think it, I think if I was giving tips to someone who was moving from Scotland to England, I think I would encourage them to think really deeply and broadly about what they want their career to look like over the next yeah. few years. 
because there's a lot of pressure to if you've always had a permanent job in a school as a class teacher to still have that and I definitely felt that I'd gone from permanent job to permanent job I couldn't work supply but I, I felt it was I was nervous about it. I was, would I have enough work? Would I be able to? Yeah, work? And, 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 there's, and there's definitely, and, and, and it's horrible, there's definitely judgments that other teachers make about those who are doing supplies. Having spent a few months when I moved to Glasgow doing supplies to kind of get my feet in know what was going on, it was a decision I made, and I was in a really lucky position that I could afford to do that, and I got plenty of work, but it was an experience that ultimately made me really consider the way that we, we judged that, and actually, I, and, I, and, and actually, a lot of teachers immediately think, well, you must not be very good if you're doing supplies. But actually, that's not the case. Um, no, not at all. And I think if you're new to somewhere, doing supplies for a few months can be a really smart move because mm-hmm. I think we said before that you never really know a school until you're working in it. And if you're doing exactly. school, you've got that opportunity to move between different schools and, and kind of find something that works for you. So yeah, I, I think yeah, definitely. I think I would say if if you have the opportunity to do supply, I think it's a really great option. Mm-hmm. Also, I think um, if you are looking for um, career progression or if you want to apply for permanent post in the next few years, that's maybe something which a single form school. Um, or working in an academy can be quite good because because my school is so small, everyone's given a leadership opportunity. That's fantastic, um, yeah. Whereas if you're in a big school, you have to fight a bit more for those opportunities. But yeah. again, I don't think I really considered when I was applying for the job, but I have come to realise um, I'm in an academy because there's lots of different um, primary schools and secondary schools that are all connected. It's a lot, uh, it's quite a kind of who's who, which is a thing yeah. you in, but I think you quickly realise that your reputation goes beyond that of the school you're working in. Yeah, um, and that was very clear to me when we went into lockdown and suddenly we were doing hub schools with some of the other primary schools and people would know who you were or people would know the class you teach or they'd say, oh, I heard about this lesson that you did and you've never met this person before but because you have so many observations from your exact principles of the academy, they will, I mean, they're observing your class so of course they're going to make a judgment of you as a teacher and that gets cured. And again, I don't think I really thought about what that could mean as an opportunity. Obviously, to begin with, you're kind of, oh, who told you about me? But actually, um, it's a really good opportunity to to kind of have influence or, not even influence, but just have been known at your school. And I think sometimes that can feel a bit limiting um, if you're working in a small school or remote school or you're in a village school and you think, you know, you don't feel that connected to a network. Yeah, um, and I, th- I think I think we're really fortunate in Scotland that our organisations, if anyone is sitting there going, and I'm already in the same situation, working in a rural school, um, and thinking, why I, I, I don't have all these connections. So you know, there's things like pedagogy, which I always do. Yeah. amazing. It's so good. And scales have got 
for me, Scarlet was an open, a, a door that I needed when I was working in Strenar, you know, a really rural area, fantastic people. But, it, you know, it was, it was a very different experience and, and getting that chance to speak to people in, in different places. You're so right. It just expands your understanding and challenges your own assumptions, which as teachers is so important in understanding our own practice for, for the best for young people, I suppose. Absolutely. And another tip I would say is if someone is looking to move uh, to England or to anywhere really, <clears throat> excuse me, where they follow a different curriculum, um, is to just remember that you are a good teacher and you do yeah. what you're doing. 100%. And, and I that's think, answer. It, 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 you know, you can learn a curriculum, but you can't learn how to be a great teacher. Exactly. And I think that was something that I struggled with a little bit when I moved to Diana. I had a bit of a crisis of confidence because it was, you know, there were different mm-hmm. words in the curriculum, there were different things that you had to teach. And a lot of the grammar is a lot more specific. And, and obviously things like the history, you know, having to teach the tutors, I, I was kind of <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you taught the tutors Sorry. before. Um, but just remember, really, your skill are the skills of being a teacher. That's what you're trained yeah. to. And you have an understanding of the curriculum, obviously, if you've taught in a certain place. But these are all transferable. And, um, and that you have something to bring. So yes, you might be learning about the English curriculum and how they do it down here, but actually you've got loads of really great experience from the Scottish curriculum, which yeah. is quite different in its in its ideologies and its the pedagogies that we use up there. Mm-hmm. And that's a really valuable and has a lot to offer as well. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, I and I think I think actually I, I kind of I almost want to put like end on that because I think that is the most important thing when, you know, even if you're moving across Scotland or if you're going overseas or if you're moving down south, is do not underestimate your value as a practitioner and, and, and those skills that you can put into place in any environment. Teachers are some of the most resilient, flexible, adaptable people and actually you put them into that environment and they will be able to succeed with the best of work. So, yeah, oh, that's a lovely kind of way to end. I have to say, Rebecca, I hope people enjoy this as much as I've enjoyed this. Just talking to you and hearing your experiences is just fantastic and, and, and really, I think, really inspirational for anyone thinking about potentially trying new things. Um, but I, I, I would love to speak to you again on the podcast, potentially about some of your other ideas and things you're teaching in school, because obviously with your background and law and so on, even just the way you must look at some of the, the kind of the work in a classroom would be different from that of you know, those who have done the different undergrads. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this as much as I have. So thank you so oh, much. I have. Thank you for, for this opportunity. I no, not at all. We've been, we've been on holiday in England, so we go back to school next week. It's really motivated me and got me back into the mindset of teaching. I can't wait to get this. Oh, <laughs> well, please, please do keep in touch and let, let me know how you're getting on. Let us all know how you're getting on um, downstairs. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, thank you. My pleasure.